Hello and welcome back to Instant Mom, navigating solo foster and adoptive motherhood while attempting a go at sanity. So quick disclosure, Jack is currently napping, which means that I might record this in fits and starts or you might hear him through the monitor um, while I'm recording. I feel like our naps are becoming obsolete these days. It's about 50-50 if he'll actually nap for me. And today he is not napping. He is in his bed and looking at a book and rearranging his blankets. Um, But he likes his alone time and I like my alone time. So we just give each other an hour of independent play and relaxation and we'll see how this goes. (laughs) So hopefully he uh, relaxes enough to where I can get this in. Because I wanted to give you guys an update. It's been a while since we've done a little bit of a life update. And um, many of you have reached out to ask um, about the teenage girl that we talked about a few episodes back that we were interested in potentially adopting. And unfortunately, the news there is not the best. Um, We decided that it was not going to be a fit um, for any of us, which is not what we wanted, but I think it was the right decision. So I think the last time I talked, we were getting ready for a full day visit with her. And we had that visit and the visit actually went really, really well. So when I tell people that we decided not to adopt, a lot of times they're like, oh, what what did she do with the visit? What went wrong? And that's the tough thing is that nothing went wrong. Um, She was really lovely and polite and articulate and had a lot of interesting things to say. She was very excited to play with Jack and Jack liked playing with her. We spent um, a day at the Children's Museum and we had lunch out and we sort of explored the city and then we played here at home for a little bit and then we had dinner together. But what I didn't appreciate and what I don't think I could have appreciated until um, we actually had that visit was how a teenager would impact Jack in terms of um, him growing up faster than I was ready for him to. And, um, you know, I knew that, of course, having a teenager would change the the dynamic in our family, but I think I just was really naive about how that would play out. So she didn't do or say anything inappropriate. It's not like she was using, you know, curse words or, um, you know, smoking or anything, but she was using teenage slang and she was talking about teenage stuff and listening to teenage music and, um, Uh, and talking about some of the traumas that she's experienced as well. And Jack would repeat a lot of those words. And while they weren't, you know, bad words per se, they weren't things that I wanted him talking about or asking questions about at this point in time. And um, even some of the, her posturing, you know, like the, the teenage eye roll or like the, the teenage indifference, which, you know, again, was not anything bad or wrong that she did. It's just how teens are. Like even in that one day, I saw Jack starting to adopt some of that. And I just thought, oh, this is not going to be good um, because I want Jack to be little for as long as he can be little and um, and not to have to grow up too quickly just because he's around this. And but it was a really hard decision to make. I mean, it wasn't um, it wasn't something that we we decided on quickly. Um, And so when she went back that evening, you know, the next day we talked to her social worker and we talked to her therapist and I expressed these concerns and um, they said, well, you know, one option is that you can work through boundaries with her and say, okay, here are the things that you can't say or things you can't listen to um, in front of Jack. And, you know, I thought about that 
But at the end of the day, I didn't feel like that was fair to her either. Um, She's a teenager and she should be allowed to be a teenager and listen to the music she wants to and um, talk about her um, traumas, which I think is really important for her in terms of healing. So I felt that it would be just as wrong to censor or silence her as it would be to make Jack grow up too quickly and be exposed to this. And so at the end of the day, um, we said that it just wasn't going to be a fit. And that sucks because, um, you know, I know that teenagers in foster care feel rejected on the best of days, right? Their parents, um, in their mind at least, gave up on them or didn't want them. Not that that is necessarily the reality of the situation, but that's what they feel. And, um, you know, I know she's, she's spoken with other families who ultimately decided not to pursue her. And I did not want to be another trauma for her. I didn't want to be another rejection for her. But at the same time, you can't say yes with blinders on. And you can't say yes just to um, avoid hurt feelings because in the end, it wouldn't be good for her and it wouldn't be good for Jack and it wouldn't be good for me and nobody would be happy. And that doesn't get her anywhere. And, you know, the social worker and um, her therapist sort of prefaced all of this to her with, you know, this is just a visit to hang out with each other and no one's talking about adoption yet and that's far down the road and it's just a family that you can get to know and, um, you know, go to Indianapolis and do some fun stuff and hang out because she lives in a a very small town um, far outside of Indianapolis. But I'm sure she got her hopes up. I mean, I got my hopes up. I'm a grown woman who knew how many steps it would take to actually um, go from this day visit to an adoption. But I still got my hopes up. And so I know she did too. And it's just um, really painful and honestly a little shameful um, that we said no and that I'm sure she um, you know, took that as a rejection, a personal rejection and it was nothing she did wrong. She was great, like a really, really amazing kid. And if I didn't have other children or if I had older children, it would have been an easy yes for us. But, um, you know, my obligation first is to Jack and um, and then figuring out what will work with Jack and what will work with me. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. So that was really sucky, frankly. Um I don't regret it. I mean, I I do regret that it ultimately ended in a no. And I regret that, you know, that was another rejection she had to take. Um, But I don't know. I guess I do regret it because I didn't want to hurt her. And I think this ultimately hurt her. But I also wouldn't have known unless we did this. That's the tricky thing about inquiring on older kids. Um, There are some people who say when a child is old enough to understand that you're looking into them, you shouldn't even begin looking into them unless you're going to say yes, no matter what. Basically, like once you have um, let them know that you're interested, like you've got to go through all the way. You can't say, actually, this isn't a fit for us because their argument is it's not fair to give them another rejection and another trauma. And I actually believed that myself until I 
had kids. <laughs> um, I was a really good parent before I had kids, right? I think that's pretty common. If you don't have children, you're like, oh, parenting is easy. This, this all makes sense to me. And I kind of thought the same thing. Like, don't inquire about an older kid and get them all excited if you're not going to say yes, no matter what. But the flip side of that is, in order to say yes, you have to be sure it's a really great fit. And you don't know if it's a really great fit until you get to know the child. And, um, you know, I suppose I, I'm sure there are some people out there who will judge me and say that uh, it was kind of too late and I just should have said yes and made it work. But I ultimately think that all three of us would have been unhappy in the end because it wasn't the environment that we all needed. So, um, you know, I just really hope that an amazing family finds her because she really is such an awesome girl, just so smart and so lovely and just really wants to be loved and is so lovable and there is a right family out there for her and I wish it was us but um unfortunately it just wasn't so that is the update there which stinks um the other update is that I have accepted some help so our church has a foster and adoption ministry and as part of that they have something called care communities it's not unique to our church lots of churches across the state and the city and the country for that matter have them and it's basically oh no jack is taking off his clothes his bed right now um all right so hold on guys i'm gonna press pause and i'm gonna go see what jack is up to and then i will be back Okay, Jack thought he would stall his nap time a little longer by just getting completely naked. So that's fun. So um, where I think I left off was talking about my church's foster care and adoption ministry. Um, so they have groups that of volunteers that rally around um, foster and adoptive families and just support them with whatever they might need. And whether that's childcare or help around the house, like with laundry or chores or yard work, um, they can bring you meals, they can find things that you might need if you have a placement, um, just a really great support group. And so I got to meet my dedicated group last night, which was really awesome. Um, so all six of them came over to my house and they brought um, all kinds of amazing food, and we got together for dinner here, and it was really great. And it was strange because um, even last night, even though we don't have a placement yet, um, they brought everything. So like the food and the plates and the cups and the condiments and ice and napkins, like just like literally everything. And I'm just so used to, um, you know, doing stuff and taking charge. And so when they came over, and like laid everything out and they even like got a plate together for me and they put a plate together for Jack. And I looked around to all of them and I just said, uh, it feels really strange to just accept this and not do anything in return. I'm actually getting emotional um, because it felt so weird and wonderful and foreign. Um, and it was just really lovely and they're all really great people and they, um, all live very close to us and they're just so excited to help us. And it was just really neat to think of how much easier air quotes, because parenthood is never easy, but how much easier it will be this time around with this additional group of, um, six people who raise their hands just to help us out our specific little family. And that is really, really cool just to have even more people to, to rally around us in addition to my friends and family who already help. Um, 
So that was really awesome and I'm super excited. So I just stay close to the team leader and we have calls every week just to update her on what's happening in our lives. And then when we do get a placement, then they will spring into action and do whatever it is that we might need, which is so cool. So very excited for that. I'm also excited because um, I have heard good news about CCDF. Uh, I don't know the exact acronym um, and what it stands for, child care something, 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 but basically it's vouchers for daycare. And CCDF has always existed in Indiana for foster parents. Um, it, it's for uh, low-income families to help afford childcare, but also all foster parents, regardless of the foster parent's income, um, get CCDF for the foster children because all foster children are automatically eligible. So you don't have to worry about any income requirements, which is great. Um, and it's always been around and theoretically available to foster parents, but the, the program has always run out of funding before the year was up, and there was always a really long wait list to actually get the voucher. So just because it existed didn't mean that you were ever going to actually see the benefit. And in addition, not every daycare accepts CCDF vouchers, and I found that a lot of them in my area, which is... Um, I guess, like very generally a higher income part of town, um, like none of the daycares accepted it. Jack's daycare doesn't accept it. Um, a lot of the other daycares around the area don't accept it. And so I was like, okay, so um, there's no money in the program and there's a wait list to get the voucher, even if they do have money in the program and no one will take it. So like, I'm not even going to bother signing up for this list because it will do me no good. However, um, there have been some improvements in the program, and I have heard from lots of foster parents that, that the wait list time is now down to just a couple of weeks, and then you the benefit will kick in, which is amazing. And I actually found a really good daycare that is close to my work that has an opening in the infant room and accepts CCDF. And I'm not going to tell anybody what daycare that is because they probably have one spot open. And if somebody takes that spot, then we're back to not having a plan at all. Um, so I was just so excited about that because that voucher um, means that I would not have to pay for daycare at all. Um, the voucher, uh, it's a little complicated how it works, but basically um, Indiana assigns each daycare a star ranking. It's called Paths to Quality. And you can be a licensed daycare and not have any stars, or you can work your way up to um, four stars. And it's all based on like uh, showing that you've got a curriculum and that you're going above and beyond, that you're not just a safe place where your children will have a babysitter, but that you really are intentional about um, educating children of all ages. And the higher quality the daycare, so the more stars that they have earned, the more that the CCDF voucher will pay for. So you can use a CCDF voucher at an um, at a licensed daycare with no stars, and it'll pay like $150 a week. And then you have to pay whatever else the difference is. Um, but this daycare that I have looked at is three out of four stars. It's actually, I haven't found a lot of daycares anywhere, like whether they accept CCDF or not, who um, are four stars, which is weird. So it must be kind of a pain in the ass to get. But um, it's three out of four stars. And the way that the voucher pays out means that th it would cover my entire cost. So this is like, this is groundbreaking, like unbelievable news that for the first time in four years of fostering, I would not have to pay a daycare cost. Like I can't even imagine I would have so much money. 
I mean, not really, because um, I'm still paying for formula and diapers and, um, you know, just everything with the house. But um, it's really incredible that I wouldn't have to pay an additional $400 a week for a daycare center. Like, that's huge. Like, yes, I will take $1,200 more in my pocket every month. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So I'm like, wow, okay, in between having this dedicated group through church and having daycare paid for, um, like this is this is going to be revolutionary. <laughs> um, it's still going to be hard because it doesn't change that the baby is still going to be up every two hours and I'm going to be sleep deprived and losing my mind. But it, those are some huge burdens that it helps to offset or take care of entirely. So I'm really, really excited for this time around. And of course, I will be taking a maternity leave. So that just adds to like the the breathing room for this next placement. And um, I'm already in the process of talking to my boss and our HR business partner about setting up this maternity leave, um, which again is different than a typical maternity leave because I don't know when I'll get the call and I don't know when I'll say yes. So there's no... Um, predetermined date where I go on leave. You just sort of have to have the plans in place and then um, be ready to pull the trigger essentially at any time. So working through that process now with my work, which is exciting and scary. Um, And I have been getting some calls, but they haven't quite been the right fit. Um, I got a call on Friday and it sounded like it could have been a good fit, but then it turns out that they thought there was just one baby, but it turns out that there were two other siblings and they wanted to keep them all together. And of course, I cannot take on um, a total of four children on my own. So that was going to be a no. Um, so the calls have been coming and we're just writing for the right fit, waiting for the right fit at the right time. And um, and it's exciting, but it's also scary. It's scary every time. And um I, what I really want to try not to do is to make a decision out of fear because that doesn't get you anywhere. Um, if you went through your whole life making your decisions based on what's the worst that could happen, based on your worst fears, you would be living in a very small, sad bubble. And that's really hard for me because I have such terrible anxiety. I've dealt with anxiety and panic disorder my whole entire life. I've been on medication for it. Um, It's really coming back up now, just even in the past couple of months, it's been worse than it's ever been. And in fact, I'll be seeing my psychiatrist again and going back on my medication because I think I really need it. So for me, it is a huge challenge to not make decisions out of fear. Um, You know, it's like when I get a call, instead of saying, yes, I'm ready, I think, what if I say yes and I lose my job? What if I say yes and I get really, really sick? What if I say yes and I just can't handle it and I get in way over my head? What if I say yes and my mom is mad at me for saying yes because she doesn't want me to foster anymore and she stops talking to me? What if I say yes and I gain even more weight because now I have really no time to eat healthy or work out? Like all of these what ifs. What if I say yes and um, maybe somebody was considering dating me because they could handle one kid, but now they're like, oh my God, you've got two? No way, I'm out. Like my mind goes through all of these what ifs. And the reality is like those things could happen, but I wouldn't leave my house in the morning if I listened to all of the what ifs running through my head. Um, Because the reality is like we're not promised any day, we're not promised a job, we're not promised relationships, but we all keep going, right? We all keep waking up and doing our thing and moving confidently throughout the day. And so I don't want... 
I don't want to be so paralyzed by fear that I just keep saying no. And so church today was um, really, really amazing, as it always is. I feel like the sermons are always so timely for me. And um, today was part three of a four-part series called FOMO, or I'm sorry, FOBO, Fear of Better Options. And it's all about decision-making and uncertainty. And today specifically, we talked about um, a lot of people pray for clarity, which I have been praying for nonstop. Like, dear God, just tell me which call is the right call. When I get a call from a caseworker and they're describing a kid that they need a home for, just please be crystal clear of if I should say yes or if I should say no. That's basically the prayer that I have been praying for, well, ever since I started fostering. But that's not true. I was an atheist when I started fostering. But ever since the past year of fostering, let's say, I just like pray so hard for clarity. Please yell at me when the time is right, God. And today, Pastor Aaron um, brought up some really great um, passages in the Bible and some great points which is that we shouldn't pray so much for clarity, but we should pray for trust because God doesn't just like give you your entire life plan in very clear detail and say, okay, here you go. Here it is. Total clarity. Because that's not how you build a relationship, right? Like you don't have clarity when you decide to marry somebody. You just trust. You trust it's going to work out. You trust the other person, but you don't have clarity of what your life is going to hold with them. Um, when you accept a new job, you don't have clarity on how it's going to go. You have an idea of how it might go, and you trust that based on your qualifications and what they've described to you, it will go well, but you don't have total clarity. So that was a really big aha moment for me of, I may not have total clarity. Like I might get a call in three hours, and I might wonder how I'm going to make it work, and I might wonder if it's the right choice. And it won't be clear at all to me. And that's okay. I just have to trust that um, it will work out. And I trust through my faith. And I trust through the people in my network who have said that they will support me. And um, it all works out eventually, right? It all works out in the end. And if it doesn't work out, it's not the end. (laughs) So, um, So anyway, that's where we are now. We're just sort of gearing up for that next placement. Jack is really excited. We've had the nursery set up for, you know, quite a while now. And he's been going in there lately going, Mommy, are we getting a baby? Where's our baby? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know, honey. I'm not sure when we're going to have a baby come visit us again. So he's pumped, which I know will be um, uh, probably a shift when he actually sees the baby and he sees that I have to pay attention to the baby and not to him. He probably won't be so excited. But um, for right now, he is really excited, which is great. So that is where we are in the process. Um, Just waiting for the call and getting everything in place. Um, In terms of um, going back to the teenage situation, um, one of the things that I learned was that we're just not ready for a teen now, period. Because it really had nothing to do with this particular girl. As I said, like she is just such an awesome kid. Um, What I learned is that any teenager, no matter who they were or what they were like, would not be a fit for us right now just because Jack is so young. And any teenager would bring in these older influences that I don't want Jack to be exposed to yet or that he's not ready for. So um, I would love to adopt a teenager one day, and it's still something that I feel 
like I am supposed to do, but I think we'll wait to reevaluate that until Jack is a little bit older and that age gap isn't so wide. So maybe when he's eight, nine, 10, 11, um, we'll give it another look. So that was a lesson learned from that there is, okay, so now we know it's going to work for our family. And um, right now, a three-year-old and a teenager is not going to be a fit for us. So we will um, continue to foster infants and toddlers. And then maybe when everybody is a little bit older, including myself, (laughs) um, we'll look at a teenager again. So I think that's it, guys. I think that is my update. As always, please feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments or topics that you'd like me to cover. It's elizabeth.friedland at gmail.com. You can always find me on Instagram at efriedland. And I'd love to hear what you're thinking about and what your thoughts are. And I'm just so excited to continue to hear from other single foster mamas. Um, I have a pretty big network of single foster mom friends. And so I thought I had like uncovered all of them from different corners of the, the country and the world for that matter. And then you guys keep popping up. And that's really awesome. Like there's just such a giant group of single foster moms out there. Um, interestingly enough, I only know of like one or two single foster dads. So if you're a single foster dad, like, let me hear from you. Um, I'd love to know if there's a big community of you guys out there too. Um, but in any case, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.